friends, and welcome to A Hasty Podcast. I'm your host, Weston Hasty, and you're listening to A Hasty Podcast. I almost said podcast. <laughs> welcome to A Hasty Podcast. Welcome. And happy early Thanksgiving, everybody. It is uh, the day before Thanksgiving here in, in the uh, United States. Uh, I don't know where else it's celebrated. <laughs> Probably, I think that's just a here thing where... Thanksgiving is celebrated on, I believe, the 25th. I have to literally look it up because I'm terrible with dates. The 25th of November, the day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hello. Welcome to my uh, podcast where we talk about media. And, and in that sense, Netflix shows I've been watching, video games I've been playing, media news I've been hearing, and how they intersect, of course, with um my life, and I share that experience with you. Welcome to my podcast. It's a hasty podcast. No podcast last week, not because I didn't record one. (laughs) Not because I did not record a podcast with every intention of uploading a podcast last week. Uh, I don't know where that video is, that video and audio. I don't know where the recordings are. They're just gone. I sat down uh, late Tuesday night to uh, edit the podcast together, because it doesn't take me a lot of time. This is not a very fancy podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know that there's there's not a lot of bells and whistles going on (laughs) in this podcast. It's not super fancy. So I sat down late Tuesday night to have this podcast ready by Wednesday morning, and surprise, surprise, I couldn't find the recordings anywhere on my computer. They're just literally lost to, to all of mankind. Um... And I know I recorded them because I recorded it twice, uh, the one for the full-length podcast like you're listening to now, hopefully, assuming this does not vanish as well. Um, I had the full-length podcast, and of course, I had my extra 10 minutes of Weston Wednesday, the Patreon-exclusive edition to the podcast uh, that I recorded as well, and both are just mysteriously gone. If they were saved to my computer in a folder somewhere, I don't know where because I could not find them they were gone so no podcast last week uh because i did not give myself enough time to try to scramble one together in time however we've got one this week and we will be discussing a couple of things um one uh the merchandise store is up and running again which is exciting to me because it now includes some hasty podcast stuff. We'll talk about that in a moment. I know that's kind of more like an advertisement than anything, but hold your horses. It's not the only thing we'll talk about today. Um, I briefly want to go over uh, what last week's podcast was about, because I'm never going to broach that topic uh, again. A couple of games that I just happen to recommend that are more like good October Halloween recommendations. But hey, better late than never. Um, As well as a couple of shows that I've seen um, a while ago now. But I also wanted to talk about them because we had an episode about Squid Game. So I wanted to talk about two other shows that are kind of within a vaguely similar genre. And that is Alice from Borderland and uh, Home Sweet Home on Netflix that kind of follow like a very similar genre. And I just want to talk about those briefly. And then we'll wrap up with a sort of, um, sorry, I had to drink, <laughs> drink my coffee. We'll wrap up with a, uh, sort of reminder of all of my socials and everything that's kind of coming up sort of thing. So we'll do that. Welcome to my podcast. First and foremost, exciting news to me because I've been putting this off for such a long time, uh, is that the merchandise store is up and running once again. It's updated. It's been woefully behind. It's located, if you're interested, at magicmanmo.com, or you can go to westonhasty.com and click on the shop tab there, and you can get to my shop via either method. And we have some new stuff up there. Um, A lot of it's old stuff, but you may not have seen it before. I've got several different designs that you can get shirts and hoodies in and that kind of thing. But specifically, a Hasty Podcast, if you want to get my A Hasty Podcast logo slapped on some drinkware, you can. You can get a Hasty Podcast uh, mug. We have uh, two mug selections. One that looks a little like a little. It looks like the if you're watching this on YouTube right now, uh, the podcast. It looks like this background that I have floating around behind me. It kind of looks like that, but also with the actual a hasty podcast text underneath it as well. I know it doesn't have like the full like smoky, uh, ste- not smoke, steamy uh, mug 
like as clearly defined um, um, as the logo normally is, but I thought it looked kind of neat. So I've got one that kind of looks like this, and then I've got another one that's got the, the full logo. Check it out. Check it out in the store. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll see the difference. You'll be like, okay, I know what he's talking about. I also have a couple other drinkware options. You can get a pint glass. I've got a, uh, a, t- a beverage tumbler as well as a wine tumbler um, and like a, a water bottle of, of type situation with the logo on it. So if you're looking for some new drinkware and would like to support the show, you can perhaps check out my store at magicmanmode.com or at westonhasty.com. Click on the shop tab. You can check out the store, maybe buy um, a new mug or something from there. It supports the show. And for uh, the next, uh, for the rest of the month, actually, use the code THANKS, that is THANKS, T-H-A-N-K-S, for 10% off of your order. And that's not just uh, limited to the A Hasty Podcast stuff. You can use that on anything else in the store as well. So that is a code THANKS, T-H-A-N-K-S, for Thanksgiving. That being said, I would also like to say, hopefully, if all things go well, by next week, I will have an additional logo uh, not logo, a uh, design available on the store. I will talk about that in, uh, next week um, because it's not yet made, but I'm working with an artist to have <laughs> a new uh, design out that's not excluded, uh, ex- exclusively a hasty podcast um, themed or even my Magic Man Mo uh, channel, my gaming channel. It has nothing to do with that gaming channel. It has nothing to do with this podcast. It's just a fun design. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, from work uh, that knows that I do this YouTube podcasting stuff, right? And I was talking about how I was working on getting my store up and running like more properly uh, because I had neglected it for a minute. And I was talking about how I wanted to get a new design on the store, but I wasn't sure what to go with yet and, and what to what to create, what to put up there. And, <laughs> and she suggested um, a very fun idea that has nothing to do with anything remotely. And I'm like, you know what? I'll see what I can do. Let's make this happen. Uh, So I will have more to say about that next week once it's made. So keep in the back of your mind, I will have a new design available next week as well. And I'm sure I'll talk about it then. I don't want to talk about it too much right now because as of right now, I have found an artist to make it, but the the design itself is not made and finalized yet. So I don't want to talk too much about it, but there is um, yet another new thing coming next week. It's a little bit more holiday-themed, so thinking like in December, like holiday-themed. So it'll be out um, in the, over the course of the next week, and I'm very excited to release that. I don't do a lot with merch and stuff like that, designs and, and shirts and whatever. I don't do a lot. I don't talk about it a lot. I don't promote it a lot, but every now and again, I like to like mention, oh, by the way, it does exist, and you can buy some stuff and help support the show. So with that now squared and out of the way, Last week, what you guys missed, <laughs> not any fault of your own. I had a couple of games I wanted to recommend uh, for spooky sort of, um, I want to say roguelike type games. And they are, uh, first and foremost, I'll start with uh, the lesser known of the two, and that is Ring of Pain, which is this uh, fun dungeon crawling roguelike type game where you jump into a dungeon. And each dungeon consists of a ring of cards. And each card represents an enemy, an item, uh, treasure, uh, an obstacle, that kind of thing. Uh, or a door to go to the next floor of the dungeon. And the idea is to delve deeper and deeper into the dungeon. All along the way, collecting items uh, that, uh, that you can use, uh, equipment that you can wear... And stat increases to make yourself more powerful. It's a very cool roguelike game. I got it from a Humble Bundle sale. Uh, sale? I think it was a Humble Bundle Choice game, actually. I am a subscriber to Humble Bundle Choice. Uh, if you would like to sign up for Humble Bundle Choice, I should have a link down in the sort of description of this podcast that you can follow to uh, support the show as well if you use my link. That should exist somewhere. <laughs> um, however... That aside, um, I got it from there, and you start with no equipment whatsoever. You have, I think, four stats. Let me run through them. You have an HP, 
an attack, a defense, a speed, and a clarity stat. You have five stats. And they're quite liquid, these stats. They're quite fluid, rather, I should say, is that they will change up and down throughout the course of the, the game. You can find cards that just straight up increase a stat by one, but as you get deeper into the dungeon, it becomes more common to find them that they increase a stat by three or four, but decrease everything else by one. So you're constantly increasing and decreasing your stats. HP does what you think it does. It gives you hit points so that if you take damage, you don't die. Defense um, mitigates some of your, your enemy's attacks so that you take less uh, damage. Your attack determines how much damage you deal to enemies. Your uh, speed indicates which card between either the card or you attacks first. So if you attack first and you have enough attack to defeat a card outright, it doesn't have the chance to attack you back. So you get to save out on some health that way. And clarity is sort of a catch-all of a bunch of resistances, such as like uh, poison resistance. So that if an enemy tries to poison you, there's a chance it won't. Uh, things like mitigate, like mitigating curse chance, so that if you try to open a cursed chest that might have treasure in it, you don't get cursed instead. Usually getting cursed means instead of collecting some kind of treasure or a stat increase or something, you take some kind of damage instead, um, as well as increases the uh, potency of healing items, such as healing potions you find in the dungeon. The higher your clarity, the more healing you get from healing potions. So it's a really powerful stat that is very difficult to increase. It's very hard to find equipment that increases increases your clarity and a lot of equipment decreases your clarity so it's a stat to, that, that kind of falls by the wayside but is very powerful to have quite high um my first run through the game i got very far i think i got to the final floor of the dungeon before the game like i assume resets because it's got that roguelike um uh what, tendency what, what, what am i looking for a trait Per, trait? <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking for. Element, roguelike element where you run through a game and you either beat it or die and you start over. It's a game that's meant to be like run through several times. You're supposed to play this several times. It's not a game that you play through once, beat, and you're done forever. Like a, like a more story-based adventure or something like that. It's a game that you're meant to play over and over again. And um, through each run, depending on how each run goes and what you do in each run, you can unlock new items for each subsequent run. So... You're always unlocking new stuff. I don't know how expansive exactly. I don't remember how many items there are to unlock new equipment and stuff like that to unlock. But I think there's a sizable amount. I don't remember off the top of my head how much there is. And you usually only unlock like a few things per run depending on how far you go into each run. My first run through I unlocked a bunch of stuff because I got very far in the first run. Which I have a suspicion the game makes your first run that you ever play when you first boot up the game. I have a suspicion it makes that first run easier because I have not gotten as far as I did in that first run since then. I've not even come close, I think, to really getting to the final stage of the dungeon. And I screwed myself over. I acquired this very powerful, epic, rare uh, uh, mask equipment that I could wear. It was called Maniacal. If you, if you play the game, don't pick that up. It's not worth it. It sounded... I don't remember how the wording of the description goes, but I, I misled myself into thinking it did something else. Basically, I was playing a character that specialized in defense, and I was doing so well. I was taking, like, no damage most of the time from attacks because my defense was so insanely high. And what this, uh, what this mask did is uh, when I got hit, um, an enemy's attack against my defense would convert my defense into attack for me. So what was happening is if I had, like, 50, atta uh, 50 defense and 10 attack, and a creature hit me for 5 damage. I would go down to 45 defense and go up to 15 attack. So every time I was taking damage, I was losing defense but gaining attack stat, which at the very final uh, stage of the dungeon, enemies weren't hitting me for 5. They were hitting me for like 15 and 20. So in a few hits, I had no defense left. I had insane attack, but I had not built a speed character. I had built a defense character. So everyone was hitting me first, and I died very quickly at the very final stage, and that was very disappointing. I had an insane attack stat by the time I died that, oh boy, if I had hit you, you were gonna die. <laughs> but unfortunately, that was not how I had built my character. Picking up that item was a mistake. And once you pick up a piece of equipment, you can't just chuck it. You can't just get rid of it. You're stuck with that decision. Um, 
until I f you find like another mask or helmet to swap it out with. So you have to be very careful about how you make your decisions and stick with it and build your character, but also be ready to sort of improv your way through the game. And I was very disappointed I didn't like win that final stage. I think it's the final stage. It was like the final stage in like a ring of, of, of dungeon layers that I had completed. So it's got a very kind of card game deck builder feel to it but you yourself aren't building a deck you're collecting equipment and i recommend it wholeheartedly fun game i enjoyed it quite a bit for the five or seven hours or so that i put into it thus far it's a game that i would like to come back to i, I played it to my fill and it's a game that i wouldn't mind coming back to at some point in the future because i did enjoy playing it the other game i'd like to suggest uh for all of you is darkest dungeon you probably have heard of this game um if you're sort of in the is it indie can i call it indie i think at least at launch when this game came out years ago now uh it was an indie title or at least a smaller a smaller title uh but had somewhat of at least on youtube a bit of a niche appeal and kind of garnered um quite a bit of popularity in its niche 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 how do you pronounce that i always say niche sometimes i say niche Sounds fancier if you say niche. Sounds for some for some reason it sounds premium to say niche. But anyway, I picked up Darkest Dungeon because uh, Darkest Dungeon Two had just come out, the sequel to the game, and Darkest Dungeon One went on sale for like five bucks. That sale is long over. This was a while ago. <laughs> um, so I picked it up. Picked up the first game. I didn't pick up the second game because it's still in early access. And I figured, well, I'll pick up the first game and play through it, and that will, um, if I enjoy it, I'll pick up the second game at some point, maybe. Um, I will say, between the two games, there are significant differences. I've been following the, uh, the development of Darkest Dungeon 2 a little bit. They're going a lot more roguelike, going through a run, kind of, kind, of like a, kind of like Ring of Pain or Slay the Spire. Actually, very similar to Slay the Spire in a lot of ways, which I have talked about on this podcast before, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, so they're going in a bit of a different direction with gameplay um, in Darkest Dungeon 2, but the core combat system is very similar or the same. But I haven't played that game, so I can't speak too much to it. But I can speak a little bit to the first game, which I will say I also recommend. It is a party-building game where you build a party of four characters, and each character... Uh, is a class, basically. There are several different classes of character to choose from, from Highwayman, which is kind of like a rogue-type character, to Arbalist, which is like a ranger, to a Cultist, which is sort of this um, uh, Lovecraftian mage that can do like some cursed healing and summon tentacles from the sky. You can do an Abomination, which is this um, uh, sort of uh, cursed were creature guy that um, can transform into a monster you've got a leper which is i don't know why it's there i don't know what the story is behind them being a leper in particular but they're, they're this heavily armored hard-hitting character with no fear of death because i guess they they're a leper <laughs> a crusader which is one of my favorite classes um which is like a knight uh, like a holy knight type th uh character that uh has a has a move or can have a move your, your different uh, abilities rather your different abilities you can kind of swap in and out which ones you have through training but the first crusader i had had an ability um i forget what it's called now but he, you'd hold out this like radiant scroll and it increased your torch light in a dungeon gave yourself some protection which is like extra defense and then marked yourself so that enemies were more likely to hit your crusader which again because you gave yourself extra defense and crusaders have a good amount of health you kind of want people targeting your crusader anyway so that was pretty cool uh the mechanic with lighting your torch there are a couple characters that affect your torch light the two i can think of off the top of my head are the crusader and the What's the name of the... It's like a cleric class, but it's not called cleric. It's called, like, something with a V. Uh, I want to say... Hang on. Darkest Dungeon Cleric class. It's not... It's called, like, a V. V... Vesvelli... Vili... Billy Valorant... No, what the frick are you called? Vestal. 
I don't know what a Vestal is, but it's basically a cleric class that does a lot of healing. They have an ability that does some torch uh, healing as well. That's a mechanic in the game where you send your party of four into a dungeon. And there are a few different dungeons to choose from. The one that you'll have access to at the beginning is the Ruins. The sort of story of the game is that you're coming to this old estate, this old family estate of yours. You've received a letter that it's this estate has fallen, fallen under attack by uh, ancient monsters from underground that your caretaker that you had left in charge of the estate had uncovered by digging too deep in the areas surrounding this old estate and unlocked some kind of ancient Cthulian uh, Lovecraftian horror from the depths and he has um, urged you to come back to the estate and help vanquish the evil within basically and you have a few different um, dungeons once you're there you have a hamlet which is like a little town where you do all of your training supply building resting that kind of thing and then everything else is the darkest dungeon is your actual like castle that you have in your estate which you'll attempt to fight much later down the game but the first place you'll have access to is the ruins outside that sort of castle there's also like a a warrens which i think if off the top of my head is like the sewer area you've got like this outside surrounding forest area you've got this coastal area i don't even remember what they're all called so you've got like five dungeons i think to choose from the first one we have access to is the ruins, and it's sort of your more standard, typical uh, dungeon feel, like going down into like brick dungeons, like in a castle or something. Think Boletaria from Demon Souls or something. I don't know. With uh, unholy skeletons wandering the dungeon, and you can fight them. And if you start the game like I did with like a crusader, and I, I, I you start I started the game with a crusader and a highwayman, but I got a vestal, which is my cleric, pretty early on. So you know I had two like kind of holy fighters in this sort of unholy dungeon so we were doing really well with ourselves um anyway like i was saying you bring your party of four up to four you can bring less i guess but you up to four into this dungeon and you start with a radiant torchlight a fully lit torch your torch has health up to 100 and as it decreases the dungeon gets darker and the darker the dungeon gets the more dangerous it becomes but your potential for uncovering more powerful loot increases significantly. So if you really wanted to, you can extinguish your torch entirely and go at it in pitch darkness, which is um, very spooky. The ambience when your torchlight goes out, the m- sort of music change, the sort of you can hear the the whisperings and tormented dealings of unholy abominations and it's really good it feels really great to play the ambience and the art style really lend themselves to the theme of this game really well and you bring your party of four in and you have torchlight and you can bring supplies with you you can bring additional torches to keep your uh torchlight lit so that if you feel like the day the dungeon is too dangerous you can keep your torch lit and make it a little bit more safer for yourself you can come in with food your characters will periodically get hungry and they need to eat as well as eating in general heals yourself a little bit uh for the most part it doesn't heal you very much so you're not going to want to rely on food for your healing uh in, uh, in particular, I like to rely on my Vestal to do my healing or my Occultist. I have a very powerful Occultist that does some really good healing. Um, his healing ability heals anywhere between... It's at level 2 right now. So anywhere between 0 and 15 health. So yeah, there's a chance that I'll heal nothing or very little. Um, and there's a chance that I will uh, cause bleed damage to whoever I attempt to heal. So it's risky. It's very risky, but because it can go all the way up to 15 healing, it's like risk reward. It, it is, it is, in my opinion, sometimes worth it. Not I, often. I'm, I'm not going to say often, but sometimes it's worth it, especially if he crits his healing and you get like 30 healing. And it's like, oh my God, amazing. I just had this character going from like the brink of death to right back into the fight. And it's really awesome. And I happen to find a really rare trinket uh, that I gave my occultist that already like doubles his healing now. Uh, so like normally if I rolled poorly on my healing and I got like four healing, well, it turns into like eight healing. So now that occultist, I've got a very powerful occultist um, that even when he doesn't do very good healing, he still does okay healing. Um, let alone if I manage to crit and have that trinket, it's so good. Um, but there is that risk too that I will just uh, bleed, uh, cause bleeding to my um party as well so that 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 does exist but he's my healer um and i'm very excited about him so i I recommend having vestals or occultists or something else that can heal your party besides just food it's not food doesn't give you very much health and you can only have so much once your character is full uh 
they won't they, they'll refuse to eat more so you can't just spam health which would be expensive anyway bringing resources into the dungeon is expensive and there are a number of other items you can bring in such as <clears throat> shovels keys uh like some sort of moss for mitigating poison that kind of thing you can bring other equipment in and as you traverse the dungeon there are encounters that aren't combat that you can deal with using those items like you might find um an old hollowed out tree with a hole in it and you can reach in and there might be treasure in there or there might be something poisonous inside that's going to stab you and cause you damage instead but if you happen to have that anti-poison moss or whatever you can treat the tree with that first and mitigate the risk and only receive the reward but the game doesn't tell you outright what item to use on each obstacle so you, you there's sort of a a trial and error as you attempt to use different items on different objects in different ways to see what rewards that benefits you. Including um, the uh, weird, if you find a totem with a red glowing orb on it, I'm going to spoil this, I guess, but it's pretty obvious when you read the description because it's something like, oh yes, if you seek destruction and darkness, uh, share with me light. And if you offer a torch up to this thing, you summon an, summon an unholy abomination of death into your world that extinguishes your torch with no chance of lighting it back up. And if you fight that thing at low levels like I did, you're facing a total party kill. Holy crap. Do not recommend doing that. You're like third dungeon that you dive into. Wow. It was like literally the third time I dived into the ruins. I discovered this thing. I'm like, okay, well, how bad could it be? Very bad. The answer is very, very bad. Um, now that I'm much further in the game, I've put somewhere between 10 and 15 hours into this game already. I forget exactly what. Um, I have managed to slay one of those monsters. I found a totem. I summoned it into my world, and I slayed it. If you do manage to kill it, it drops some amazing loot. So that is something to be said um, as well. I'm spoiling that part a little bit, but I don't mind too much because I feel like that's something that as a new player... Um, if you encounter very early, is just going to absolutely, <laughs> absolutely wreck you. I'm sorry if that spoiler like spoils it for you. All I'm saying is it's dangerous. I'm not going to tell you what it is or how it fights. You can, if you feel, if you feel up to it, go for it, my man. Go for it. Jump in there. I won't spoil what it looks like. All I'm saying is it's very dangerous. <laughs> it was not messing around. Anyway, and it, like I said, there is a big reward. So go for it if you want to. Um, the combat is, again, you have, you come in with a four, with, uh, four in your party and you can face up to four enemies at a time in each combat. And it's sort of RPG style. Uh, you go into this, so this 2d, this 2d plane where your, uh, teammates and your enemies are lined up, um, in a, in a row and your positions matter. If you're in the first, second, third, or fourth position in your line, that, um, uh, determines what abilities are available to each of your characters and where in the enemy's line you can attack or where in your line you can buff. So uh, party placement, where you keep your party, in what order is very important. And so there's sort of an RPG and, and strategy combination to the combat. And like I said, it's a roguelike dungeon diving game. So the further in you go, the more trinkets you get. You're constantly fighting uh, sanity damage as well all your characters have different sanity or they all have sanity health i don't know i don't know i don't know how to describe it uh sanity health if you take too much damage to your sanity you go a little crazy if you take a hundred damage you go a little crazy and uh, unlock some sort of trait debuff where you could become like literally crazed or paranoid or whatever and that will affect your gameplay in different ways where your character might kind of uh you might lose control over your character and they might do something bizarre instead of what you want them to do. So you want to keep their sanity as clear as possible. If you get to 200 sanity damage, there's a chance that your character straight up has a heart attack and dies mid-dungeon. Uh, there's a chance they survive it, but there's a chance they just outright die of heart attack. So you want to keep an eye on your sanity because in combat, you might take damage like you'd expect to, but Sanity, you can uh, take damage during combat. You can take it just wandering the dungeon, facing obstacles, characters talking to each other. There's a number of different ways where you will just slowly lose sanity over uh, an entire dungeon dive. And to my knowledge, I don't think there's any way to cure your sanity during a dungeon with the exception of while you're in combat, if you have a gesture class in your party, they can play some music 
to one person at a time to heal some of their sanity damage. And in some of the longer dungeons, uh, you can actually take rests during the dungeon, one or two rests, depending on the length of dungeon. Short dungeons, there are no rests. M medium length dungeons, there's one rest. Longer dungeons have two. Uh, during rests, some of your uh, cl uh, characters may have abilities during a rest to heal sanity of your party. Your different classes all have different abilities they can do during rests, and you can kind of mix and match and determine who you want to bring into your dungeon based on their abilities in combat, based on their rest abilities. There's a lot to consider. There's a lot floating around. It's very complex if you want it to be. If you uh, don't want it to think about it too hard and just throw yourself into it, you can kind of get away with that, but the more you play the game, the more you'll understand its mechanics, the more comfortable you'll feel sort of thinking ahead a little bit more. I recommend it. It was a, it was really fun, really challenging, um, but I'm not unaccustomed to strategy games and party games like that and kind of thinking through decisions and, and, and party order and that kind of thing. I'm not unaccustomed to that type of gameplay, and I don't mind spending a little longer each encounter to like think through uh, my, my strategy. You can't think too far ahead because you can't tell like who's going to go first in a combat. Everyone has speed stats, but they can change throughout a combat, and the combat order is determined every round of combat. Like The new order is determined by dice rolls. It, it all happens behind the scenes. You don't see the rules, and you don't see the turn order. So you can kind of strategize a little bit like, okay, this is my faster character. They're probably going to go before this character, but you don't know exactly. Um, and that's, like I said, it's all behind the scenes and a little unclear. Just play it by ear and, and hope your improv skills are enough to survive. Darkest Dungeon, everybody. I recommend it. Ah. There we go. That's what you basically missed uh, last week. Except instead of spending an entire hour going into depth about those games, I've just given you a much tighter synopsis of those games. Now I would like to go into some shows that one I recommend, I think, <laughs> and one that I really don't, that I really don't recommend. The first one I want to go into is actually the one I don't recommend. Because it's just not very good. But Netflix was really pushing it over October. And I guess it, I guess I get it. It's called Home Sweet Home. Or is it just called Sweet Home? Actually, hang on. I need to whip out the Netflix. Uh, is it called Sweet Home or Home Sweet Home? If you spend any time on Netflix, you probably saw it appear. It came out last year. Oh, my God. <laughs> I tried to... <laughs> How do I tell it to shut up? Oh, there we go. I opened up Netflix on my computer, and immediately Tiger King Season 2, uh, the sort of trailer for it just starts blasting in my ears. I'm like, no. I n that did come out, by the way. If you're a fan of Tiger King, um, Tiger King Season 2 is out now. And I plan on watching that myself because I actually did really enjoy the Tiger King documentary. But I don't have any idea how Season 2 is going to – I don't know what Season 2 is going to bring to the table. I'll find out. Uh, so that's something that we'll probably talk about on the podcast in the future as well. Sweet Home. Sweet Home is the game I was looking for. Not Home Sweet Home. Sweet Home. Just Sweet Home. It's another, um, and like I said at the beginning of, of this, uh, it's another, it's similar to Squid Game in some ways in the sense that it's death-centric, character-centric, and also it's a foreign film dubbed in English, and that's how I watched it. And those are the similarities. Basically, as far as Sweet Home goes, it's not like a death game like uh, Squid Game is at all. Uh, so this game's this shows a lot less like Squid Game than the next one that I'm going to talk about. But if you're like an American like me, just a dumb American like me, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's a, another Korean show that you can watch dubbed in English. Uh, I, I, I've heard a lot of people complain about the Squid Game dub, uh, being really bad. I really enjoyed it. I thought the dub was, it was over the top, probably, most of the time. I get it. I accept that. I'm okay with that. But as a guy who also watches anime from time to time, which, anime is not Korean, but you know what I mean? Like, you know how people talk, you know how dialogue is in, like, anime? Sometimes it's over the top and very emotional. Uh, Squid Game's dub was like that. Sweet Home's dub is like that. The difference is that instead of being Japanese, they're Korean, <laughs> Right? Uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but uh, feel free to watch this in Korean with subtitles if that's more your thing, but I watched it dubbed, and I thought the dub was fine. Uh, not as good as Squid Game, in my opinion. Not as good, but I thought 
completely serviceable and qu- quite fine. And you get used to their like lips not matching up to their words. You get used to that. Your brain, your brain is very powerful. You can get, you can get over that. If the first episode is jarring to you, you can get over that. Not that I particularly watch. Actually, watching Sweet Home, it's a show that centers around this one kid who off the top of my head, I can't remember or piece together or how old he's supposed to be. Um, his, there's a fly in here. I'm going to, there's been a fly in this room that I have failed to murder for like the last four days. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Failed to murder. Yes, that's right. Anyway. Uh, I guess the character's name is Cha Hyun Su. If I'm saying that right. I have to assume I am. I, I think I was a spot on. I, I forget the names of literally all the characters because they're Korean names and I am not f- familiar with Korean. So I have completely forgotten all the character names. There's this kid who's like the gamer archetype in a lot of these sort of, if you watch a lot of anime like like Isekai or something like that, like the gamer character that is like antisocial, introverted, but also for some reason a genius, even though throughout the show they don't like portray anything about themselves as being genius. They're just a genius for the sake of the plot and when there's like a puzzle to be solved they just somehow can do it um in this show he's a little less of a genius but becomes kind of this uh powerful character for no reason really we get a little bit of back backstory with the character but it literally changes like twice we get like three backstories to this character and you you kind of understand that i guess he's kind of lied to himself about his past a little bit maybe but they're in such jarring places that throughout this series they try to introduce to you like who this character is and why you should care about them i just don't i just don't care about him whatsoever Uh, so um, and but the rest of them, I don't mind too much. You've got this sort of uh, guitar playing punk punk rock girl. You've got this uh, uh, like priest character. I don't think he's a priest. I think he's just like the like like overly Christian or whatever. He makes a point because he's talking to this punk rock character um, near an elevator, and she re- notices he's like got a Bible or something like that. And he's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not a missionary. I'm not trying to convert you." Because they were like talking or whatever. It's not like a missionary or priest or whatever, but he's like this overly Christian character who turns out to be, um, how much spoilers do I want to go into this? I guess I can spoil a little bit cause I'm not recommending it. Is that okay? He's like also awesome. He's got this like Katana that, and he's like this awesome sword fighter. So I want to know more about his backstory actually where he comes from and why he, he can do what he can do. He becomes this sort of samurai type character, not samurai cause he's Korean. But you know what I mean? Like, he's just this awesome sword fighter. Um, the punk rock girl uh, is dope as well. She runs around with, I think, a bat or something later to beat things up. And they, they, they kind of form this really awesome combat duo that has this sort of B-plot plot going on throughout the whole uh, show that I actually really wish was the A-plot. I loved them way more than I liked freaking Cha Hyun Soo, which they try to turn... I'm going to spoil this. This is a spoiler, but I'm not recommending the show, so I hope you don't mind. He's got superpowers. <laughs> so the the premise of Sweet Home is that there is this serum or disease or something. It's kind of unclear. They try to pretend it's clear, but it's kind of unclear that has affected basically all of humanity somehow. Some kind of military experiment. They don't really talk about how it got out. Uh, it's related to this doctor character that you kind of start to learn about halfway through the show. But honestly, I just, at that point, I didn't care anymore. Um, he's infected with it. Our main character is infected with this serum or whatever. I don't know how. No one does. Uh, but he's apparently had it for quite some time because you find out that he's actually directly responsible, basically, for the the death of his entire family. Um, which you're not, which is another twist at the later because... You find out his family dies in this accident that he had nothing to do with, but then you find out that was a lie. So they like they try to have this twist, but then they twist on that twist immediately later. And I'm like, why, why did you lie to me about his backstory? I didn't know it to begin with. You had to tell me it later. And then even later, later, you 
told me that was a lie. I'm like, why did you reveal that to me? There was no reason to do that. I don't care about this character. They try to make you care because he's also, like, suicidal, which you find out is, like, because he killed his family. But for the majority of the of the show, you don't know why he's, like, suicidal and hates himself, right? He's just sad. And the show wants you to feel bad for him and sad for him as well. And don't get me wrong. I take suicide very seriously. But for the sake of the character, they gave me no, like, reason to like him as a person. And it's not that it's, – it's like a tricky subject. It's not that, like, I didn't care if he died or not. But he's also not real. I am watching a TV show, all right? And so far, all I've learned about this guy from the very beginning is that, oh, my God, I hate humanity. I hate myself. I'm going to end myself. And that's all you get from this character. And it's just such a, like – as a character trait, it never pays off. One, because he never goes through with it, which I'm not saying he should have. I'm just saying like, that's there in the background information. He never goes through with it. It never affects his decision-making throughout the show. It really doesn't affect his personality because in a few episodes, when he gets his superpowers, he becomes a badass, right? So like, he's not crippled with any kind of anxiety that affects the show in any way it just makes i think the show was trying to find a cheap way to get you to want to care about him because they refused to build up his backstory like develop it ahead of time they wanted a cheap way to be like you should care about him he's sad and you should be sad for him okay let's get back to the show so we never have to think about that again it's weird they don't develop his story in any way that i care about him and then they introduce that element, like, oh, you should care about him, but I don't. And then you make him a badass later that never has to struggle with those feelings again. So it's not very helpful. And it's not very helpful that the show actually delves into some pretty serious topics, like suicide and, like, depression. And, like, we've got some very heavy, serious topics here that they want to introduce to you to make you feel really bad and sad and really depressed and really down. But they, it just doesn't pay off. Um, and many times the, 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 the feel of the show as you're going through it, they don't match. It's a very dark and depressing show, but then you'll get into a combat scene with these monsters, which by the way, the disease, uh, turns people into monsters. And that's what this guy has. He can turn into a monster, um, but he can control it still a little bit. He could lose control and be gone forever, but he's so far managed to control it. But most people don't control it. They turn into a monster. And every time the characters get into this combat with, like, a monster, I don't remember what song it is. <laughs> What's the song? And at least in the English dub or whatever, there's one song they play over and over again, and I can't think of what it is. And it's the funniest thing the first time it happens. And every time, every time you get to a scene that the show wants you to think is, like, a badass scene, they play this song. It is so jarring and so out of place and takes all the tension away. And I laughed out loud the first time I heard it. It's a really popular... I can't think of its name right now. It's a really popular song. I almost recommend you watch it just to, just for the first time that song comes up so that you can have the biggest laugh because it was it's so dumb. It's so dumb. But it takes like a few episodes, I think, before you get to that because they have to build... Maybe, it's, maybe it happens in... I think the first time you hear it is in episode two or three. So it doesn't happen too late. And then it happens every other episode from then on where they have, like, badass moment. And, yeah, I'm going to start playing this song. And it's like, this so does not fit whatsoever. It's so bad. It's like, we are the warriors. What's it called? Hang on. It's, it's, hang on. We are the warriors. Something like that. Is that the song? Is that what it's called? Hang on. I'm trying to look this up. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. I, it just came to me. By Imagine Dragons. Yeah, yeah, they play <laughs> they play Warriors by Imagine Dragons. And it's so out of place. They do that. They'll have bring up this badass moment. And they'll be like, we are the Warriors. I can't sing. It's, it's so out of place. I don't know if you can, I don't know if there's clips you can find. Hang on, can I look up Sweet Home Warriors clips or scenes? Can you... I think I think there I think you can 
I think you can look up some of these scenes. Hang on, I'm looking one up right now. Okay, you can do that. You can just look up these clips. I don't watch the show. Just go to YouTube and type in like Sweet Home Warriors clips or Sweet Home Warriors and find some clips. It's just, it's so stupid. Anyway, it, it made me laugh though. It did make me laugh. I'll, I'll give the show that. Um, this would be a good show. I don't recommend it by yourself and to take seriously. I don't recommend that. If you're with some friends and you just want to like hate a show together, like just make fun of it the whole time, there, there, you can do that. It's a show that I definitely recommend watching with friends that you can make fun of the show together because it's so bad, but it takes itself so seriously except for when it doesn't. That's my synopsis of uh, Sweet Home. I'm going to move on from there because... I have another show I want to talk about before it gets too much later, and that is um, Alice in Borderland, which I, um, I for a while I had um, forgotten the name of the show, and I was trying to look it up, and I, I'm very stupid. I, it took me forever on Netflix to find my list of, like, oopsie, I accidentally started playing Alice in Borderland. I wanted to bring up the info on it. Um, it took me forever to find out, like, how to look up my list of, like, previously watched stuff on Netflix because I'm dumb. I just I – just, don't know where things are. I've become an elderly man, and I don't know how the internet works. Anyway, Alice in Borderland is another one that came out last year, and it's a lot more Squid Game-like because it's uh, it's a Death Games show. So if you really liked Squid Games and didn't watch Alice in Wonderland, or Alice in Borderland, rather, I actually recommend this one, but I don't like the ending. And there's other parts throughout the show I don't like, too, if I get really nitpicky. I don't like the ending, but I like the ending to Alice in Borderland significantly more than I liked the ending of Squid Games, uh, or Squid Game. So I actually recommend this one if you like Squid Game, if you like the death game concept. This one takes place in Japan. This one's actually not Korean. I watched it dubbed in English, so this is another one you can watch dubbed in English if you would like, or you can watch it subtitled instead. Um... It's a similar concept, because it's a death game. It's a similar concept. Like, in Squid Game, you know how, like, all the players get whisked away to an island, basically, to play these games? The difference here is that all the players in the Alice in Borderland death game wake up in basically a completely desolated duplicate version of Tokyo. Um, It takes place in and around, I think, Tokyo. I think it was Tokyo. I'm pretty sure it was Tokyo. In and around Tokyo, but... All the people are gone. The millions of people that live, gone. The place is abandoned, as far as anyone can tell. And the show starts us with uh, these three friends entering into this world. They're actually being, like, chased or something. I don't remember why. It was at the very beginning of the show, and I watched this show uh, a while ago. I don't remember why. They're being chased by some people that they're, like, in trouble with. I think they were in trouble by the cops because they accidentally caused a... Yeah, they accidentally caused a car accident in traffic just by accident, and the cops started chasing them, and they panicked, and they started fleeing or whatever, and they hid in a bathroom, and some earthquake happened or whatever. When they left the bathroom, all of a sudden, everybody was gone. Everything was gone. They're in this desolate version of Tokyo, and they're like, what just happened? And they have no idea. And for a while, you think they're like the only three in all of Tokyo. And like, well, what's going to happen? And they do start meeting other people. And what they find out is that in this version of Tokyo, there are these games that you have to play. And everybody has to play a game every so often. Like you have um, a countdown, basically. You have to play a game in a certain amount of time. And when you play a game, you get more time added to yourself. And if you don't play a game within that allotted time, you die. Uh, they don't know that right away. But they do discover a game eventually by accident because nothing's explained to anybody. Uh, this game does not. Uh, this show does not care who di- who dies. Basically, if someone doesn't know anything, they just die. That's the way it is. And they discover a game, and kind of like you know, in Squid Game, no one understands like how serious the game is until people start dying. Uh, Alice in Borderland does the same thing. They go to play a game, find out it's deadly and it's fatal and they start uncovering more about the world around them the different people that also exist in this tokyo the different factions that exist in tokyo because as it turns out there's a lot more people playing this game um than they realized which makes sense Tokyo's big <laughs> Tokyo's a big place we don't have like a firm number i don't think like in squid game where it's like 456 people um in their game we don't have a firm number of how many people are participating in the games in uh, alice in borderland but it's a significant number it's a significant number and the number doesn't matter quite so much because they're not playing for prize money or earnings they're just playing to survive there's no concept of 
winning the game to get out or win anything. They're here just against their will for reasons they don't know or understand, basically. When you get to the end of the show, uh, I'm not going to spoil this uh, because I actually do kind of recommend this show. Uh, by the time you get to the end, though, a little bit more is at least revealed to them. A lot more to you than to uh, the characters involved. And I'm not going to get into, like, what characters are, like, main characters, not main characters, whatever. Because the character pool changes a little bit as you go throughout the sh show. So I'm not going to get too much into that because I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but you for sure have at least, like, the one main character that you, like, for sure definitely follow most of the time. Falls a little bit into the same trap that irked me, uh, in Sweet Home that I'm gonna bring up. The main, like, sort of main character that you, I think the show opens with and kind of wants you to like the most is this sort of gamer introvert character. And, um, he's, again, he's, he plays the role of super genius that I was complaining about in Sweet Home, except this time, actually, like, he's supposed to be really smart, because he plays, he plays video games, so he big brain, right, um, so there are times throughout the show where his character specifically bothers me, because he goes into, like, psycho genius mode, just kind of randomly, like, when the plot needs it, but for the rest of the show, he's not really that smart, which almost feels more realistic, because, you know, people aren't just, crazy smart all the time he, he feels like a realistic character but then every now and again when the plot dictates it he's like too smart they make him smart but then when the plot needs it it's like insane smart it's like if you're that level of insane smart and perspective i like it. the things he uh, perceptive not perspective perceptive the things that he sees and puzzles together in his mind is like okay if you're that smart you should be doing this more often because that is insane what you just did. And he doesn't. He just needs it when the plot needs it, basically. And it's a little annoying. So I will say that. That irks me a little bit. He plays that role of super genius, introverted gamer character that just feels out of place to me. Sorry, where was I? I had to, <laughs> I had to answer my phone. Um, yes, we were talking about Alice in Borderland. But it's another game that kind of deals with some heavy issues. Death, blood, gore, very emotional game that, like, if you're into Squid Game, I think you'll like this one. It's got some interesting twists um, throughout. The very ending, I will say that, that by the time you get to the last four or five episodes of the show, how many episodes is that? I'm trying to remember. It's a, No, it's eight. It's eight episodes, so not four or five. The last probably... Actually, probably the last four episodes. It's only eight episodes long. It's like about the last four episodes. The the second half of the show. Man, I didn't realize it was the second half. Wow, the second half of the show feels very, very different from the first half. I will say that. Um, and it's it's quite jarring. It's quite a twist. It's quite a departure. You go through half of the first show feeling like you kind of get an idea of where this is going a little bit but you don't know what the ending is going to be you don't know what the payoff is going to be you don't know how these characters are going to get out and that kind of thing or if they can uh, by the time you get to the second half basically everything you thought you knew gets turned kind of like upside down gets kind of turned upside down the like people you know relationships the 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 sort of direction you think everyone's going Everything kind of gets turned upside down in the second half. And I'm not going to explain why exactly. For me, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Conceptually, I didn't mind the original idea. But I, I thought where the show was going to go was going to be a very different direction. So I will say that the second half, depending on what you want from this show after watching the first half, what you want from the show might not be met <laughs> by the time you get to the second half. Uh, and I don't... I'm not... a the biggest fan about how the show ends it does i will say it does end kind of trying to set itself up for a second season in this in a very similar way uh that squid game set itself up for a second season where you feel like there shouldn't have been like in squid game the way the the show ends you're like ah, do we really need to do this because i'd rather this story just be over rather than kind of contrive a way to continue. You know what I mean? Uh, in Alice in Borderland, it feels that way a little bit as well. It feels a little bit contrived. Like they ramp up and really amp up to this sort of epic conclusion and finale. And then they somehow find a way to say, oh, but it's still not over. And you just feel like, but it 
it amped up so much that it it should just be over. <laughs> One way or another, it should just be over, and it it just doesn't. So the the ending, it's not. It's not bad, but because of the change in the second half of the show, because of the complete departure we get, it's just different. So I will say that, but I actually do recommend it a bit. The Alice in Borderland, none of the characters are called Alice. I don't... uh, Japan, especially if you watch a lot of anime, Japan has this thing for Alice in Wonderland, like the the symbology and imagery of it or whatever. They're obsessed with it. That's all I can think of because I don't understand why it's called that. No one's called Alice. No one plays an Alice-like character to to the best of my knowledge. Borderland, I don't know what that means. Border of what? I don't know. I've watched the whole show, and I cannot explain the title for the life of me other than literally, you know, how Alice in Wonderland falls down a hole into another world that's that that's it these characters fall down a hole into another world not a literal hole like i said like they they uh our three main characters the way they got into the games is that they went and hid in a bathroom and came back out and the world had changed (laughs) that's kind of the extent that's all I can think of. That's the only Alice in Wonderland connection I can think of. They fell into another world. That is not like <laughs> that is not a unique thing to this show. It's not like that's not been done before. But um, that's as far as I can figure out why Borderland, border of what I don't know. I think whoever came up with that title just thought that that was clever or just really liked it and just slapped that onto their art because i think and i didn't know this i think the show is actually based on um some manga that uh, i don't know the name of the author or anything like that. i don't have that pulled up but i think it started as manga and then they turned it into a show so i guess that author came up with that name and just liked it i don't know i can't explain the title so if you're trying to get anything out of the title don't has nothing to do with basically anything <laughs> at all <laughs> i was wondering when it would come because you know like squid game it's called squid game Guess what they play in the show? Squid Game. <laughs> it happens. Um, in Sweet Home that we just talked about, uh, they talk about like defending their home a lot. They're this sort of um, uh, apartment building that the whole show takes place in. This is their home, and they're going to defend it. Um, it's not a great title, and it's not a great connection, but at least I can see it. Alice in Borderland, I don't. It's literally they went from one place and now and they're mysteriously in another place. <laughs> that's it. That's that's all there is. After that, there is no more payoff in that title. <laughs> I don't know if that's a spoiler to tell you that it never pays off, but it never pays off. Um, but I do. I think I do recommend that show. I don't. I don't think it's as good as Allison. I mean, as good as Squid Game because I don't think Allison Borderland feels as tightly done as tightly condensed as Squid Game. Uh, but it is interesting. Had my interest. I watched it before Squid Game even ever came out. I didn't watch it last year. I watched it this year. Um, I think uh, in early October, maybe in September. But uh, I recommend that one. I think you should check that one out if you were a fan of Squid Game or other Death Game type shows. All right, those are my recommendations and one not recommendation for today's podcast. Thank you all so much for listening or watching. Uh, You can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or watch it over here on YouTube, uh, either or. Once again, remember, I have uh, new uh, A Hasty Podcast merchandise available at magicmanmode.com or at westonhasty.com and go to the shop tab where you can get some new drinkware with the Hasty Podcast logo on it. Very exciting. Use the code THANKS, T-H-A-N-K-S, THANKS. Um, use that code at checkout to get 10% off of your order. That is not exclu- uh, exclusive to just the Hasty Podcast merch. You can use that on anything in the store. And, uh, yeah, check that out. If you'd like to support the show directly and financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Weston Hasty, where uh, if you do so, you will have access to Weston Wednesday, an extra 10-minute bonus um, 
uh, uh, segment of the podcast for Patreon uh, Patreon patrons only. So you can go do, the, do that for as little as a dollar a month to support the show. If you would like to connect with me through social media means, you can do so on Twitter at Weston Hasty. Give me the hashtag Hasty Podcast if you would like to leave your comments, questions, or critiques, or whatever, and they may be used in future episodes. I also have an Instagram that I barely touch, but it's also called Weston Hasty. So you can go check that out if you want occasional photos of things I eat sometimes. Sometimes I post pictures of food or me. So check that out. But whatever you guys do, I want to thank you all so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed it, please do all the things. Leave me a review, a like, or whatever. But until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and wash your hands. I'm out of here. Bye!